You're listening to Underestimated. Real stories from real women. Discussing how they've overcome everyday hurdles and rose above. We will not be underestimated. For my first time listeners, I started this podcast with the idea to create a children's book series that empowered girls and quickly realized that there are many more real life stories from women I know that I could take and repurpose for my children's book series. So I created this podcast, interviewing strong women and hearing their experiences of overcoming hurdles. You'll even hear a brainstorming session at the end of every episode where we work to plan out how we can translate their experiences into a children's book. Today, I'll be speaking with a good friend of mine, Becca Halbert. Becca is the Deputy Director of Development at Austin Habitat for Humanity, where she advocates on behalf of Habitat for corporate sponsors and their involvement with the charity. I first met Becca a few years ago at a Habitat event and knew I needed more of her drive and positivity and spirit in my life. So today, you'll all get to hear for yourselves the light that Becca exudes and be reminded of a few important lessons we often forget. This is cool. Hey. Hey. I'm so excited. I love doing this project. It's such a great idea, Crystal. I need to improve my writing skills because honestly, I'm not a very strong writer. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not either, so I can't help you there, but I applaud you for trying to do this. It's really cool. You know, I have an extra day in the week, so. <laughs> yeah, so I heard you on that, on your second interview, you said that. So what's, what is that? Um, so they basically just cut all of the account management team's days by one day. Mm-hmm. And it's. That's crazy, though, that you're going four days. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I like having the extra day, so. and. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyways. Wow. So then the podcast was born and I I drink wine and podcast and edit and have fun. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's awesome. I mean, such creative, creative idea. I've not yet heard of something like this. So yeah, cool. We'll see how it turns out. I'm hoping I get better with every episode. We'll see. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I can try to help. (laughs) So do you want to I, I guess I'll introduce you a little bit of what I know about you, but I don't know all of your <laughs> everything. Um, so I'm talking to Becca Halbert. She's a good friend of mine, and we work together with Habitat for Humanity in Austin, Texas. So she manages um, the sales portion fundraising, right? Is, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that is right. I, I don't know what your actual title is. I just yeah. know mm-hmm. what you do. <laughs> so I'm Triple D. I'm a Deputy Director of Development. It's an easy way to remember that. That's a so, fancy title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I work with a lot of our um, corporate partners and faith-based partners on coming to volunteer with us. So that's kind of my role right now. Yeah, it's, I really, I love working with you. Um, so... For listeners, I volunteer with Habitat for Humanity, the Young Professionals Extension. So Becca and I get to work together a lot and come up with some creative ideas to help raise funds. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I will say it's pretty cool to have two women at the top, you know, and well with uh, what we're talking about today. 
It really does. Well, and Habitat Austin CEO is Phyllis. She's a woman. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're yeah. taking over yeah. the world. Like more than half our leadership actually are women. So that's, that's kind of cool. Oh, that's it. That's really nice. Okay. So let's um, give our listeners a little bit more in depth of an intro. Tell us about just who you are and your background yeah. from your career and what you like to do. Okay. Fun stuff. So yeah, um, I um, went to Texas A&M with you, fellow Aggie. Whoop! With you, whoop. We didn't know each other, but uh, it's kind of crazy that we found each other in Austin of all places. When I was at A&M, if you would have told me I was going to live in Austin, I would have called you crazy. I was a uh, super, super gung-ho Aggie uh, that didn't really like anything to do with, with UT, so it's kind of funny that I live here now, but Anyways, I graduated with a communication degree, telecommunication actually, which is the closest thing A&M had to a media studies program. Um, so I actually moved up to New York City and started working for CBS Sports Network. And just following my passion of video and the storytelling that can happen with video. And at the time, that's when social media was starting because um, that was in 2012. So you know, we had gotten Instagram in 2011. Video was a little bit a part of that. I saw the power of video in the sports videos that I did when I was in college. I worked all four years for the sports program. So I wanted to continue that passion. And I thought, you know, if I can't be Aaron Andrews on, on camera, then I'm going to be behind the camera and uh, try to tell my stories through the lens. Um, so little bit of a different experience when I got up to New York City. It was challenging um, to say that, that television and, and production is a, is a man's world and women were just living in it um, is an understatement. So I will second that, <laughs> coming yep, from a media was, company as you, well. You understand for sure. Yep. <laughs> when I was in New York, it was challenging. I was only there for a year, but I quickly figured out that um, staying up there away from my family. I'm really close with my family and I'm really driven by uh, my faith. And I just had just a lot of conviction about coming back down South closer to family and, and doing something that meant a little bit more than um, putting graphics up on screen during a game. Cause that's what I was doing. So um, I moved to Dallas. I got into advertising sales, which you're well aware of. Um, and <laughs> for Fox sports. And so that was fun. I love that. Um, you know, I was, I was doing well, I was, I was fine and content. And then all of a sudden, um, a new job opportunity dropped in my lap from a family friend who owned her own production company. So that kind of was like this door that I never saw getting opened, um, for me before. And I, I thought I had to jump on that. So I did. Um, it was, it was such a great experience. I then became a media buyer and kind of learned the, wor the world of, of buying. Um, but it was like something was still missing. Uh, I continue to learn as much as I could. And all throughout my life, I've been used to change. Like change has never been something that I've been afraid of. Um, I moved around several times um, as a kid because of my dad's job. So, you know, I kind of knew how to make new friends. I knew what was expected of me when I was in a new community in a new situation. And so I never, never once was I like, okay, I'm here and I'm never leaving or, um, you know, I never was in any 
serious relationship where I made different plans to be with that person. It was always just kind of about what I was doing, which made opportunities, you know, kind of plentiful, plentiful for me. So. And easier to chase after too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's easy to be selfish when you can, you know, so um, I was able to take advantage of that. And after five years in Dallas, you know, I was just had this tug on my heart, you know, and just kind of started to look around at nonprofits and never really learned a lot about nonprofits um, prior to that. And um, almost seriously considered moving up to Kentucky for a job with a, with a Catholic company. And, you know, that just didn't, just did not feel right. So I had to say no to that. And I thought that this door completely closed on me, but then um, this job now that I'm in now kind of fell into my lap again and um, made that opportunity for me to move to Austin. So that was two years ago in August, which is crazy. Um, but we're keeping you here. Yeah. Well, thanks. I don't have any plans to move. So um, it's been crazy. I just think it's um, God, you know, works in weird ways. And it's been such an interesting experience to see the nonprofit side of things. And um, I'm, I'm someone that's a connector. Like I consider myself a connector. I like to know that I know these people in Chicago and these people in New York. Well, how can I get that person in Dallas to connect to that person in New York? And that's kind of why I like to keep broadening my circle. Mm -hmm. Like I love that I have this whole new group of friends in Austin, which you are a huge part of because you welcomed me with, with open arms when I got down here. So thanks for that. Open arms and an open beer bottle. probably. And, and, yeah, it opened my beer for me. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, so I think, um, that's kind of, you know, when you came to me about this, like, that's kind of how I started thinking about that. Like, you know, being underestimated is such a different way to think about how women are treated in the world today. Um, I think I've struggled with this. Um, and as I grow up and as I'm getting older, I'm trying to not let it hurt myself so much, but I do not need to live the life that the world tells me to live. I don't need to live up to the expectations of what society tells me to do. And I think that is where women are the most underestimated. It's like, okay, so you, she didn't hit this benchmark of becoming a mom and, you know, a successful businesswoman at age 35 with four kids and she can do all these things. Well, okay, but what if she is single and she's 35 and she's killing it in her job. You know, like I don't, I think that's where it's just so unfair for women. And you know, what if you're married and you're not working and that's a huge job to undertake for, to, to raise children, you know? So I think for me, like being underestimated is um, something that we all struggle with no matter where we are. I mean, any, any single woman, any married woman, any, you know, anyone that's alone or has tons of kids or even like a grandma that is widowed. I mean, my, my aunt is a, is a widow now and her and I have connected about being single, which I've never, I never would have thought about that. I never would have put those two pieces together, but we're all in that space. And I think it's, that's why I just think this is so awesome that you're doing this because everybody's underestimated. I just truly feel that way. So I think you hit the nail on the head there too. You, 
you just expressed exactly what I want to come out of this, that we don't have to live by these cultural norms that were imposed on us. We don't have to live by the cultural, you know, we've, we've certainly come a long way since my grandmother was a woman yeah. <laughs> or since yeah. my mother was a, you know, starting out. Yeah, just since our, our moms, yeah. yeah. I mean, even my mom was, you know, you stay home, you cook dinner on the table before, which... I, that's a whole nother topic. I love my mom and I love that she has dinner on the table for my dad whenever totally. he comes home. 100% agree. And yep. it's part of, it's, I remember being younger though and being a closet feminist because I am a feminist, but growing up in a small town, I was very much closeted about it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it drove me insane. And as I got older, I realized I was like, no, she's not doing it because this is what he expects of her or right, that right. she's, this is out of love and it's right. their mutual way of life. Yes. Yeah. Goes to work. She stays home and takes care of the kids and provides a home for the family. Right. Right. And that's where, you know, especially as of late, like I'm trying to figure out, you know, for Habitat, for example, I mean, Habitat is a ministry. I mean, we are considered a ministry across the world. And with that, um, you know, our, the international CEO, his name is Jonathan Redford, he always says that we are unapologetically Christian and radically inclusive. And like those words kind of stick with me um, quite often, like every day, because I'm trying to do well in my job and yet also like show people who I am as a Christian Mm -hmm. and, you know, take Christianity out of it, just showing people who I am, that I'm a good person and that I care about people, not necessarily because you're my friend, but because I just care about people. And that's kind of what Habitat does um, in the community. So that's kind of how I see loving on people. And, you know, obviously your mom did that for your dad because she loves him, you know, so it's a, it's an act of love. And like, I think, that's what we need to get back to in our society is how can we serve each other and love each other? Mm-hmm. You know, this, this coronavirus, I'm sure you've experienced it as well. It's mind boggling that we're still getting political over who believes what and wh- who needs to wear a mask and blah, blah, blah. Right. When really it's like, can we just take two seconds and realize that none of us have gone through this before? Right. Oh, you know? and, and that's, I just wish people would just calm down for five seconds to realize that, but. Oh, I love having you on here because you and I have definitely opposite views in politics, I think. Yeah. And I think that is, so I, for one, uh, am just not a Trump fan, but I can't believe the amount of memes and media plugs that are just criticizing him so much for the way he's handling coronavirus right now. I'm like, you get up there and do something better. (laughs) Like exactly. And like, I'm on the other end of it. I'm a Trump fan. And I think that he's doing a great job, but then at the same time, no one else has done this before. You know, so (laughs) it's kind of like, I, I just am trying take politics out of it. I'm just trying to be optimistic because I want people to go back to work. I want people to get their paychecks. And I see the side of it of the Habitat homeowner because, you know, some of our homeowners that were supposed to close in March, they got flowed. They can't apply for their house anymore. So until they get back to work, they can't move into their house that we just built them and that they just built themselves. 
So that's, it's, it's just, it's so interesting that we can have such different opinions, but that's why, like, like I said, I like to connect with people. I like having friends that don't agree with me. I mean, when have you and I ever had an argument where we just stopped talking to each other because we didn't agree on something, you know, and of course I'm human. It happens. I get into fights with people, you know, whatever, but there's gotta be a, a, a way to, to move past stuff and, I think right now in our day and age, we've got to learn how to do that better. It's interesting going along with the whole idea of cultural norms and what's expected of women. And there's kind of a common theme in there with politics as well. If you have liberal views, you're expected, you are painted as this picture. If you are. (laughs) It's so black and white and it doesn't need to be. It's like, no, there's things I agree with. There's things I disagree with. I'm, right. I'm not this way. I'm not this way. I'm pretty here in the middle. And yep. I want to vote for a person, not a campaign. Platform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, I think one of the things you said earlier too about habitats, what the CEO said, well, anyways, moth. Yeah. The international CEO. Yeah motto being unapologetically Christian, but extremely inclusive as well. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes I think seen as being two sides of a coin that can't be combined. And I love that because that goes along with, yeah, you can be a stay at home mom if you want and do just that. You can be a career driven female and that's fine too. You can do both, but you don't have to do this picture that is painted for us. Like it is expected I I feel like as women that growing up, you're supposed to have a family, you're supposed to get married, you're supposed to have kids. You're also (laughs) supposed to have a job, but not too high status of a career that keeps you from going home with your family. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of mind blowing and I don't read enough to know the answer to this, but I don't know how we got to that point, you know, and I don't know if that happened in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, where the workplace really took off. Um, but I do, I really truly do believe that because of COVID-19, we're going to see changes in the workplace. I mean, you're already seeing it with having a four day work week. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to see changes in how you are effective as a leader, not only in the workplace, but at home too. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, what that, what those changes are. I mean, I think my whole life, like I, um, like I said, I can't be afraid of change because we, we move so often. And I think friends of mine or just girls that I know, stories that I know, get so caught up in what other people think or what is expected of them. And I know you guys have talked about this on your podcast before, but it's just such a, a theme that comes up so often that why do we care as humans about what other people think? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, it shouldn't ultimately matter. I mean, for me personally, my faith matters. So what God thinks of me matters, but what anyone else thinks of me should not take precedence over what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. I, this is like the best interview ever. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that I I want um, and I want to express in this children's book series and I really just I'm passionate about it because I have two beautiful nieces and I grew up with two brothers the same age as me and hung out with a ton of guys in a small town so it was just it was 
very masculine somewhat yeah <laughs> sounds like it sounds like it which was i loved it i thought it was fine and i loved being one of the guys but there was definitely times that it was just i i didn't talk about things because i had different experiences than the guys did and it mm -hmm. was just you know you're complaining you're whining just deal with it this isn't a thing <laughs> yeah yeah well, I will tell you, so I do uh, volunteer for a nonprofit here in Austin called Education Connection. And mm -hmm. for 30 minutes a week, you go to a local elementary school and, and read with two kids. So I read to one child for seven minutes, the child reads back to me for seven minutes, and then I get the second child. Um, so I'm very upset because we had to postpone everything and cancel everything for the year. So I didn't get to say bye to my kiddos. But I read a lot of children's books throughout that process. So I have a feeling that your stories are going to be a little bit more impactful than Ralph the Cat, which we kept reading. And I mean, Clifford the Dog, how many Clifford the Dog books are we going to read? <laughs> so I'm excited to see where this, where this goes. Me too. And the more that I talk about it, it's, it's also just a lot of pressure, I feel like, because I want them to really embody the stories of all of these amazing women that I'm interviewing and will be interviewing. But it still has to be extremely creative to keep a six, seven-year-old child entertained. Um, so. Well, just, just hire a great illustrator. That's all they need. They just love the pictures. <laughs> That's the one thing that Dan and I have talked about is like, if there's anything, it's I can write the story and then just send it along and pay out the wazoo for a good illustrator and make yeah, it happen. Yeah, it might, might be worth it, but no, the stories will be great. You're going to do great. I love it. Maybe I'll send you a few first drafts when I get to writing them. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I'll try to help. Yeah, that would be so much fun. I've spent so much time interviewing and creating the podcast, and I'm still learning things just doing the podcast, so I haven't even really written more stories yet. All right. Um, so throughout your entire path and career, all the changes, all of the different cities you've lived in, all of the industry changes, can you think of a time, or even just it doesn't have to be career related. It could be related to your faith. It could be related to your home life, family, friends, whatever. Do you think of a time of a specific story of when somebody may have underestimated or underappreciated you? Um, well, I mean, I will say moving across the country after I graduated college was a huge, huge leap of faith. Um, and there was a lot of people that said, you're not going to like it. You're going to hate it. It's going to be terrible. And I'm not going to say that they were right, but I did learn that it just wasn't the place for me. Um, but I can't trade that, that year of my life for anything because it put me on a track to where I am today. And I think, I just think, you know, okay, you know, the show, this is us. Mm -hmm. Well, if people don't watch it, they flash back and forth to these families and the people that they meet along the way. And ever since I've seen that show, like I can see my life in that show because every single time that I have a connection with someone and I have a story because of that person, then years down the road, they come up again randomly. They're still connected to me, you know? So I just feel like my story, just because my story didn't stay in New York, um, I think I was able to prove to people that I can still be successful wherever I am. It doesn't matter if I'm not in New York. I think I've 
prove myself as being independent because I haven't gotten married yet. Um, I've been in 10 weddings. So I've had to tell that story a thousand times to the thousands of guests at those weddings, asking me tons of questions. Um, so I think people see that, you know, I'm fine with being by myself right now. Um, so I think people just have their own expectation of me. And sometimes I just don't live up to that. And I might be making that up because I don't necessarily know what people's expectations are of me, but um, yeah, I think. Well, I'm they're asking you questions surrounding certain points, I mean, they could just authentically care and want to know more, but most right. of the time they have an idea in their head. Most of the time they want to know, you yeah. know, whatever, but um, yeah, I just think, like I said, I think under being underestimated can happen every day. Um, you know, especially, you know, I was kind of nervous just with going into quarantine and lockdown season of what is my expectation for myself when I work remote, you know, it is different to work remote. Um, I was actually in, I was able to be in Austin or, uh, in San Antonio with my family for the first eight weeks of this, which was awesome. I mean, I can't even believe that I had that opportunity because my parents took care of me. I actually ate three full meals and worked out every day with my mother. So uh, we watched shows at night with my dad and my brother. So it was kind of like I was living in high school again. But um, now that I'm here back in Austin, um, I have to have structure, you know? So it's kind of expecting myself, setting expectations for myself. Um, but I mean, my team has blown it out of the water. We've done so much more even than we would have planned on doing when we were in the office. So um, I think it's kind of nice to set expectations kind of low sometimes because then you can just do even better than you ever could have even imagined. Yeah, that's uh, well, that's probably something you also have in sales and <laughs> your experience in sales, always yeah. managing the clients or the part, whatever's expectations. Customer yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, make sure that you always over deliver. <laughs> yes, definitely. Maybe that is in, innate in my blood, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of sad though, because I, I mean, if somebody only s expects this much out of you, and you're like, no, but I'm capable of astronomically yes. more, that is frustrating to deal with. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you always heard in high school how or at least I, I heard in high school how certain people that I hung out with weren't living up to their expectations. Um, and so now you kind of see that play out in the real world with certain people. You can kind of point out like who, who's really living up to their potential. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to, to keep myself in check with that and make sure that I'm not being lazy. And I'm a big planner. I mean, that's kind of my fault because I like to plan. I like to know when things are happening. I love to travel. So my travel schedule right now is getting anxiety that I'm not flying on a plane somewhere. Um, so that's kind of part of that. You know, it's like, how can I plan out my day to know that I'm going to be successful? Um, and I think that's what a lot of women are going through right now. I mean, especially the ones that, that have kids because they're, I see it with my sister. I have two nephews. She's taking care of them and working at the same time. You know, I can't imagine that. I really can't because I see how hard that is um, across, you know, across a lot of platforms on social. But 
it is kind of crazy to, to see that we're all in that. We're all in the same space. I can imagine that's just another great topic as you're a mom, so you're expected to take care of the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and do the laundry. That's a whole other podcast. And then also do your job while at home with nobody else watching the kids for you. Yes. What? <laughs> what? That's yeah. a, I just need to step up on that one. Step up, guys. Yeah. I think some do. I want to be clear. Like I, not, and we're probably more than some, but it's it's yeah. very clear that the expectation does lie with the, the expectation. Mm-hmm. There was some very amazing colleagues of mine back when I worked at iHeart, and they were what you would call a super mom. They did everything. They brought home the majority of the income too, and then they and I just it blows my mind. And all I could think about was. I don't want to do that. I do, but I don't like, I want to be, yeah, and that's okay, but I don't want to have every second and just be exhausted. I feel like I would be so run down at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. so, and kudos to them because goodness yeah. gracious, but I, that's one of those things that that's almost is what is expected of women nowadays is yeah. you have to do it all. Yeah, I am very curious. I went to Global Leadership Summit, uh, which is a conference that is a worldwide conference that this company, Global Leadership Summit, does um, in August every year. And they had uh, Jason Howard, I think his name is. He runs a uh, research institute here in Austin, actually, that specifically researches Millennials, Gen Z, Boomers, Gen X, like our generations, generations, yeah. So it's really, I mean, it's fascinating to read some of the stuff that he's that he's come up with through his research. But I'm very curious to see how Gen Z, especially, and Millennials change those expectations, mm-hmm. because I just think even with social media and how many mommy blogs I see every day and how their kids are integrated into that. What are those kids gonna grow up like? You know, what's their norm? Like what, do they think that that's normal to keep your kids on the internet all the time? Or, you know, I don't know. I just think it's gonna be really interesting to see how media plays a role in how we are portrayed as women. Yeah, can you imagine um, being a child and having access like 24 7 to a screen it just blows my mind I mean I can remember waiting for dial-up on instant messenger and then my parents making me give up instant messenger for Lent because I was just on it like a crazy person all the time so now it's like oh I'm gonna give up TikTok for Lent I feel like I grew up in a different generation even though we're the same generation because my parents did not we had dial-up but the computer was in the bedroom we weren't like in their bedroom and the only time we were on it was if we needed to write and this was through high school the only time we were on it is if we needed to use word to write a paper dial-up was so bad that it wasn't even worth doing research on (laughs) oh interesting yeah but just like that I just wonder like how is that going to change children and and how they grow up I don't know it's going to be interesting to see when we get older (laughs) Well, I mean, it's already, 13-year-olds look like they're 20-year-olds. True. (laughs) I didn't look like that when I was 13. I was probably wearing overalls and tennis shoes. Braces. Yeah. Definitely had braces. Yep. Yeah. 
I, it, those are exactly the reasons that I want to do this is I, I want my nieces and, you know, one day if I have a daughter just to know that, sure, you can, you can be a stay at home mom. And that is a very, very hard job. If you want to, you can have it all. If you want to, you can be career driven and you don't have to be one of these stereotypical female roles, which there's a ton of amazing things with those as well. Like you don't have oh, to, absolutely. like my hometown, the only jobs there are there for females are become a nurse or dental mm -hmm. hygienist or, mm -hmm. or work in retail. That's mm -hmm. it. There's, um, there's a lot of power plants and I do have one friend that works at one of them, but for the most part, it's all men. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So it is very, oh gosh, it's just crazy thinking about that and that culture and they're amazing people. I'm not like, it's just, it is kind of like stepping back in time compared to living in Austin. Yeah, um, definitely. The opportunities that are available to women there, um, which is mm -hmm. why I left. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. So I just, I want, I want girls to know that if they want to put on a Nomax and work at a chemical plant and bring home the bacon, they can do that. They can do that. <laughs> they want to be a doctor. Yeah. They can do that. If they want to be exactly. an astronaut, that would be really cool to be an astronaut. Yeah. I think it's funny. I mean, I don't know how you grew up, but I, my parents never were like, you can't do that. You know, I, so I don't know that mindset, but I know that they're out there. Like, I know that there were parents out there that were telling their children, well, you couldn't do that, you know? And I, I know that my parents are okay with, with my, you know, independence, how I am right now. Yeah. Um, but so I do think it's interesting. And I, and I feel for the women that they were told, no, you have to get married. No, you have to have kids. No, you have to go work at, you know, the laundromat or whatever. Yeah. Um, because they did, you know? I don't know that it's out there as much, especially in the States, um, you know, in any other countries, maybe it is more, but in the States, I don't know that that's really, my parents never, my parents always told me I could do whatever I set my mind to, um, mm -hmm. even, which I love and is a lot of reasons of why I'm here today. Mm -hmm. But it was also, um, well, you're too tiny to help put shingles on the roof that come in and do the dishes which drove me insane. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I like being outside and don't tell me I can't do something. Um, so it wasn't that they ever said that I couldn't do something. It, well, I guess that was, yeah, you can't put shingles on a roof. And there's <laughs> plenty of logical reasons on why I shouldn't be putting shingles on the roof. Doesn't hey, you mean can come do a habitat roof if you want to. Um, I mean, I've helped with a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> I build houses. <laughs> You can build the whole thing now. Yeah, I know how to use power tools, mom and dad. I could have exactly. I don't care if I was 90 pounds. <laughs> Probably would have struggled. It would have taken me a lot longer to carry the shingles up the ladder to the roof, but. True. <laughs> um, yeah, but they never, I was always told I could do what I set my mind to. I think it's just little instances like that that add up, plus what the media shows and what you see as a girl that is what other women, if you don't see women or yourself or people like you doing these other jobs, if you don't see females being astronauts, if you don't see female lawyers or have somebody like that in your life, it's just, it becomes less likely for you because you don't see yeah. that equality. Yeah. And I do think that that was something that 
was a struggle for me when I was debating getting into nonprofit because I was never around anyone in my life that was in nonprofit. Um, it was so foreign to even my family and, you know, my, my dad, my sister, my brother are all, all in sales. And so I think it's a part of my personality. I think I needed to be in a, in a sales type of job. Um, but fundraising is so different because you're selling an idea. You're not selling a product. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I, I thought it was a struggle. Like I couldn't find an example of a person that I wanted to be like, because all I knew was what I knew, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and I, I, that's another message that I would want, you know, to come out of this is like, don't be afraid to just try it. And that was the other thing I originally, and I can think I told you this a couple months ago, I originally thought that I was going to be in Austin for a year. And then if I didn't like it, I was going to move and go somewhere else. But, you know, I'm trying to get myself, (laughs) yeah, exactly. I'm trying to give myself more of a chance. And I think that's another message that other women need to hear. It's just don't be afraid and try something. And if you don't like it, then go back to your comfort zone, but it won't kill you to get out of your comfort zone once in a while. That is going to be the title of the podcast. Okay. I like it. (laughs) It just hits, it's. Uh, hits home so much because that's exactly what the intent behind the podcast series is and turning them into children's books is to show, you know, girls in different roles and different things that they may not see otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. My favorite part, um, I don't know if you saw this in my pre-notes, but I do a brainstorming session on Mm -hmm. how I'm going to base my character on you or one of your situations. So um, it'd be interesting. Ruthie is the main character. Of course, Chloe, my dog's in there too. I just made a cute little Ruthie and Chloe logo last night. Oh, cute. That's awesome. I want to see it. Yeah. I don't know if it's something that I'll use, but it's just kind of the here it is now thing. Yeah. But it'd be really cute if, uh, Ruthie was trying something different that she's never tried before and, got a lot of questions about it, but also was very unsure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did think about this because I heard about little Ruthie and just started thinking about it. Um, So I just like have this image in my head of this little girl on a playground with different groups of people around and going to talk to those different groups. Because I do think that that's, that's what embodies this whole conversation. It's just not being afraid of what you do not know. So like maybe there's a group of artists that are sitting near a tree. Maybe there's, you know, kids playing on their band, trumpet, whatever, drums, I don't know, sitting somewhere else. Maybe there's some jocks, you know, throwing a football around. Um, Because I think that that would teach, you know, teach the message that I can be friends with all these people. I don't have to fit in one box. It brings diversity and inclusiveness together. Exactly. Ah, Perfect. And I think that embodies you perfectly too. Just (laughs) thanks. everything that you've said today, it's yeah, that's perfect. And then it also ties in with, it's okay to try something new. It's okay to try it. And if you don't like it, move on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Find something you love. Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't know about you, but I did everything I could possibly think of in high school. I was, or in middle school as well. I tried out band. I tried out I was in theater. I was an athlete. 
<laughs> I did too. And I got rejected on the dance team. I got rejected on the cheerleading team. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then I won most spirited my senior year. So, you know, I kind of took that as a, hey guys, guess who was the most spirited? Guys missed out. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I had to try and I did, you know, and I moved high schools. So that was hard yeah. you know, moving and then trying out for something new. But again, I just think it's an opportunity to grow when you, when you're forced to change. Oh, so many great stories out of that. I could also do a book about failing and uh, coming up. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> Ruthie's going to be the coolest kid on the block. Ruthie is going to be a, a well-cultured girl. Okay. <laughs> going to be cultured. <laughs> That's the intent. Yeah. What if she, oh, she could also live in different cities. Maybe she moves around a lot. Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say. She could travel a lot. Mm -hmm. um, definitely moving is a whole story of its own. So moving uh, and just meeting new friends and um, yeah, that could be a whole nother story. And then Ruthie could be an adult. When Ruthie's an adult, she could go volunteer at a Habitat site and she meets all these other people. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be awesome, Crystal. I'm so proud of you. I have one last question for you. Okay. Can you think of a time that you have underestimated somebody else? Um, you know, I thought about this too, and I have to say that I think I underestimate my leadership. So I've had four different bosses now, and I think, you know, there's that, again, that cultural norm of what a boss employee relationship looks like. And I approached it differently and became friends with three of the four of them. So um, it's just, I always, I, I never knew what I learned from them until it was over. So I think I just underestimated the power of what they were teaching me while I was in that moment. So now I think I can think about it differently. Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I think we still have those relationships. And I think it's because of that. Like I, realized the wisdom that they were sharing with me, even if I didn't realize it until later on. I think that happens frequently. And just, and that can be definitely relatable as a child too. You know, yeah. you don't know yeah. your mom's telling you you can't eat a crayon and you exactly. don't know why. <laughs> exactly. Cause I did that to my parents too. I thought I knew better. My phrase that I often told them was that you don't know me, which is crazy. <laughs> they did know me, so they spent more time with you than anybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it all worked out. You know, I'm very close with my parents, so um, yeah. I like that one. That's a great one. Okay, so if anybody wants to reach you, if somebody, if a listener wants to donate to Habitat or get their company involved, how do they reach you? Yeah, so two things: you can visit our website, AustinHabitat.org or visit me on Instagram. I do handle our social platforms right now. We're trying to hire a communications person. So ATX Habitat on Instagram, and uh, I'd be happy to talk. Yay, perfect. Yay, Thanks again for coming. Fun. It was Thanks, so much Crystal. fun. I, I can't yeah, wait. Can't to... wait to read it. Can't yeah. wait to read about little Ruthie. That'll be a little bit longer, okay? There's a lot of things I'd have to go into that a podcast is a little bit easier. <laughs> I know. Well, let me know if you need anything else from me. This I will. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Underestimated Stories for Women. 
If you enjoy my podcast, please follow me on iTunes, Spotify, or Clerk so you can hear my next story. This podcast is sponsored by Clips. Discover podcast highlights of your favorite shows at www.clip.ps.